If only gardens could speak, they would tell us countless stories. For a garden lives with its owner, with its caretaker, with whom, while walking, tramples its soil. And it lives, breathing the same air of the one that in that garden turns its gaze from end to end of the enclosed space, to watch a violet on the grass, a withered front, a nest built on the tallest branch of the tallest tree. The life of flowers and plants is not just an exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. They breathe with us, they live with us, and with us they share the movements of the soul. And when they are alone, they talk about us. But be careful, they do not gossip. It's more like a benevolent exchange of information about those who, willing or by chance, passed by. Under the crown of an oak tree, seeking relief in the hot summer days. Next to a blooming pedosperone, to smell its inebriating scent. Between raspberry brambles, to pick those succulent fruits. They observe us, they talk about us, and in this way they create the identity of that place, writing its memory over the centuries. In some gardens, lives flow slowly and peacefully, little or nothing happens apart from an occasional visit from some indiscreet animal, or a lightning that falls during a thunderstorm without doing any damage. Others become stages of real tragedies, and they saw weak sparks blazing up into hell. Let us tell you a secret. The garden we are going to tell you about can talk, and in its own way it recounts of an interlacement weaved with the threads of passion and betrayal, and of two lovers that still look for each other on the lakeshore, even if a premature death separated them too soon. Biondronno is a strip of land that stretches in length on the west bank of the Lake of Varese, Italy. Today, a place of cultural and naturalistic interest, in the past, fervent center of textiles industries. Our talking garden is located here. It's the park of a beautiful villa that overlooks the lake, built upon a hill in the town center. Here lived not happily ever after, Luigi Borghi and the English-born Margaret Doyle. Here, in their own way, they still live. What you're about to hear is their tragic love story. You're listening to Vivi Podcast, Stories of Here and Beyond. Do not be deceived by the fact that Biondronno is situated on a lakeshore. Here, in the late 800s, nobody was a fisherman. The villagers were picassas, stone masons, that with pickaxe and hammer used to emigrate to Galicia to work in the quarries of the Spanish region. Women were instead amazing silkworm breeders. The village elders still remember the vast mulberry plantations whose shrubs were created of millions of silkworms. It's therefore not a coincidence that right here in Biandronno and in the near Varano Borghi, a thriving business related to the textiles industry was born. Luigi, scion of the Borghi family and protagonist of this story, inherited from his father and his paternal uncles the manufactural activity. But the young man's interest was not just in business. Introduced 
to the democratic ideals probably from his mother, Luigi, in 1832, joined the Giovine Italia, a secret political society founded by Giuseppe Mazzini, leader of the Movement for Italian Unity. Arrested from the Austrian police, he received a death sentence, later commuted in hard-time imprisonment for his participation in the conspiracies of 1832 and 1833. Once released, he was forced into exile in England. It's in Manchester, during his exile, that Luigi, fervent entrepreneurial spirit, takes the opportunity to study machines and the organization of the English textiles industry. During this time, he sends to Varano Borghi a Belgian-made steam engine. The Borghi industry in Varese takes flight, becoming one of the main cotton mills in Europe. But a man does not live by work alone. In the English city, Luigi meets, by happenstance, a young woman, beautiful, so different from the girls from the lake, and, well, obviously falls in love with her. It feels like a lightning struck the English Channel in two, soon allowing the trip of Luigi Borghi and Margaret Doyle back to Biandronno. At this point, the legend had already begun. There is no information about the woman, it's like she never existed. And yet, it is said she has been the wife of Luigi, that she lived in that villa above the lake, and that Luigi loved her more than anything. But these are rumors, just voices that have been handed down over almost a century around here by the lake of Varese. One of these voices is that of Carlo Carcano from Biandronno, a writer, an expert of local traditions, and most of all, a storyteller. One of the last storytellers. He is the one who told us the story of Luigi and Margaret. Today, a man in his 70s, he told us how, as a child, he met the ghost of Luigi Borghi. But let's take a step back. Margaret feels alone and unhappy in Biandronno. She doesn't know anyone and the only link to her new life is Luigi, always away for work. The girl finds comfort in taking long horse rides along the narrow strip of land that runs along the lake of Varese. She loves being on her horse, a beautiful rider with red hair of the same color of the freckles that dots her translucent skin. So easy to meet someone else on the straight road. Easy to exchange a greeting or to share a simple glance. Easy for the village slanderers to read something different in those glances. Something more than just good manners. Soon, rumor has it about an alleged affair between the English girl and the stable hand of Villa Borghi. Margaret is devastated and tries everything to convince her husband that she would have never betrayed him. But her efforts are useless. Luigi is so blinded by jealousy that one night, during the umpteenth argument between the two, he orders the woman to leave the house the next morning. It's a bright, beautiful dawn, no shadows in the sky, when Margaret, wearing her nicest dress, is about to leave the mansion. She goes down to the stables and says goodbye to her favorite horse with a loving pet. She walks through the garden and lingers to watch the calicanthus that so much delight her with its scent 
during the cold January days. And the majestic magnolia, always the first one to bloom in spring. It sounds like they're whispering. Goodbye. The woman walks through the opening that from the garden leads to the lake. The reeds bend in the wind as she passes. Goodbye. She reaches the point where the water gets deeper, near the church. A last sigh, and there she dies. Her body was never found. Maybe it has never even been searched for. That same morning, the house staff finds her diary and gives it to Luigi. Reading her last words is fatal for him. Over time, Luigi becomes gloomier. He's more and more quiet and reluctant to talk with anyone who crosses his path. Not much longer after Margaret's suicide, Luigi, still young, shoots himself in the throat with a rifle. This might just be a legend. Historic records, however, tell us of Luigi Borghi's premature death, without specifying the causes. He was 47. An individual that died in tragic circumstances, tormented and with unfinished business, is destined to come back on this earth somehow. So it seems that Luigi Borghi too has returned in the rooms of the villa on the lake, with a specific purpose. Carlo Carcano, our storyteller, was at home in the mansion that after the Borghi family became property of some of his relatives. He says that he often used to play in those huge rooms with coffered ceilings, with large marble stairs and bright-colored frescoes on the walls. It's in one of those rooms that Carlo meets, for the first time, Luigi. He immediately understands, with the sensitivity typical of children, that that was not a living person. He describes him as a smoky entity that slowly takes human's form. Foggy eyes staring off into space. Slow movements in a perpetual aimless wandering. Carlo is not afraid. He's instead intrigued by this mysterious presence that never looks him in the eyes. The ritual is often repeated, always the same, until one day, for the first time, the man gets closer. The air suddenly becomes cold and thin. He points with a light movement of the hand to a crack inside the fireplace. Carlo starts searching there where the ghostly gesture showed him, and he finds something. A blue notebook, the cover marked by time. The boy is finally able to give a name to that blurry figure. Luigi, and that thing he's holding in his hands, is the diary of beautiful Margaret. Let's try to read with the power of imagination her last confessions. In despair, she probably wrote something like this. My dear Luigi, I entrust the last hours of my life to these pages, the only ones to have guarded my most secret thoughts during these long years, the only ones that seem to believe me today. It didn't do anything telling you my truth, which is the only truth. Knowing that you believe me capable of cheating on you is unbearable for me. It's better to die than to having to carry this burden. It's better to die than to live without you.
I hope someday, somewhere, we'll meet again. Yours, Margaret. Carcano is not the only witness of the aura of mystery that surrounds Villa Borghi. After a photo shoot outside the mansion, a photographer notices in one of the images a silhouette standing behind a window on the second floor, despite the house being empty and locked at the time. Luigi, again. Legend has it that he still looks out the window of the villa at night, searching for his beloved in the lake. Margaret's hour is instead at sunrise. They say that in winter mornings before the first sun ray appears in the sky, the lake in front of Biandrono starts sparkling, and from the waters a female figure rises, gently, just a split second before sinking back into the depths. Luigi Borghi and Margaret Doyle, day and night, still looking for each other but condemned by fate or by the perennial motions of the planets to never meet again.